0: this weekend it's kind of a bummer there wasn't more people because they know that we've been like, working really hard at like advertising a lot better and
1: i mean the summer i think just is tough especially when the summer first kicks off because i mean especially in the midwest when the winters are so tough mm. people really savor the time to be outside because they know it's short-lived Sure. so I think just like when that summer really kicks in, which it does seem like because I was in Chicago last week and like um, you know, I was on at least one show, I think that they were just like there's n- that we didn't sell any tickets like and it was because the city did feel like it was just like buzzing like we were walking around and people were like, you could just feel that energy of people being outside and they really you know, June hit it's like it's summertime we're living life, we're enjoying it. So I think you know. It's tough. It's tough to get people inside. It's a, you know, I mean, the shows, you know, some of them are starting when it's still light out. Like, it's just, like, it's hard to draw people, like, come on into a dark room and be quiet when, like, <laughs> right. you just want to be out and chilling and stuff. So that's tough. But I really had a lot of fun. I really loved that apartment show. Like, I just... Yeah. That, to me, is, like, I was talking to... I don't know if it was you or... I don't know who... One of, one of, one of you three producers. I was kind of out of my mind, tired last night at the end sure. of the show. but. I was saying how like it's so like, you know, like you have like a comedy club and people go there, they they know they've bought tickets to a comedy show, it's on an ambush show, it's not there's like this expectation like I'm buying a ticket so I can see people who are funny make me laugh. Like it's like the transaction is very and in some ways sometimes like especially when you do like a show like last night in an apartment show where it's this weird venue, kind of a weird odd assortment of people you almost lose some of that like looseness and like freshness that i find kind of the most intoxicating about live comedy sure in a comedy club because it it does feel a little more you know like you're not like at like hilarities let's say like you're not super close to the audience it's a big room you're above them there was money involved. I mean, there was, they paid for tickets last night, but it's like, there's just a, the informality of these kind of like weird DIY shows, like that's sort of generally, I feel like you have, it's a different, it's almost like a different type of fun doing comedy. Like there is a crazy exhilaration when you are doing well for a room of 300 people. Like that is a hard feeling to beat, but you don't, when you're like in front of 12 people in this weird apartment like i was just doing whatever i thought in the moment was funny and that is as a performer you get that like kind of high of just like let's just see where this goes yeah whereas like you know you're doing 25 at a club it's like you don't want to do bad so you got to remember the bits and like it's i don't want to say it's two types of comedy but it's just there's just different feelings that you get and they're both fun in their own way but it is fun to do some of those shows. Where you're just like, let's just fucking let it rip. And like, if you fuck up a line, these people are not like, whoa, like this guy's eating it all. You know, like it's yeah. very forgiving in a way because everybody kind of, you can clown on the people and like, you're like, look at you neck tattoo. And like, it doesn't feel mean. It just feels like we're all kind of in this weird room together. Like, <laughs> right. let's just make it an experience, you know? So I, like I had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. I love doing that apartment because it's, you for those particular reasons. And it's like I don't know, sometimes it it goes hand in hand of like we have to sometimes convince them like oh we are funny people. Like yeah. We're not just here because Right, yeah. we're just, just free like,
1: hobo space or whatever. Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So it, that sometimes go, gets involved with it. It's like, Oh, because when you're in a club, there's like, Oh, there's already an expectation. Like you, they know you're a comedian. Like they seem like, it seems like almost, Oh, you're an established comedian because you're yeah. working in an, an, establishment. Right. Even and if they, they've
1: never heard of you, they're just like, well, you're here. Right. And, and I paid be, to see comedians. Yeah, you must
0: be good. A, a show like that. It's like, well, I came to see something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There is this kind of like the, the people who go to a show like that are like, I'm, They're probably into, like, weird stuff, and they're into, like, the idea of, like, comedy is this kind of very flexy art form that, sure, you know. And everybody did well on the show. That's the thing. Like, people were getting laughs, but it's this laughter that is, like, I don't know, it almost feels, like, more organic in a way. Like, where you're just, like, I'm in here making a room full of people laugh versus this kind of, like... I'm a comedian, and, like, these are, like, it's, it's, it feels sometimes when you're in a club, not all the time, but sometimes you do feel like you're almost presenting yourself as a, (laughs) you know, like, here's my wares, (laughs) these are my jokes, whereas that, it just feels like, right now, my job is to be a funny guy, and however I do that, that's the way I'm gonna do it, you know? Yeah. And it's, and I could never recreate that. That's the other thing. Last night, the set I did, like, I don't remember half of what I said, but, I can recreate my feature set. I I pretty much know that like the back of my hand. I know like even if I do them in different order and I'm just like, all right, well, I know I can get to this joke from here. And it's very. it does feel like you're really developing those patterns. And that's what you have to do if you want to put like out a special. But it is like just a different, I don't know, you just feel like kind of like a kid in a sandbox. You're like, I'm just going to build whatever I want to build. And like there's not a lot of stakes here right now. Right. It's just kind of like free form. And that's when if you're getting them rolling, that's like, You can't beat that high, I don't think, of
0: doing comedy. The cool thing, too, is I think that I don't know if this is unique to Cleveland, but Cleveland is definitely a music town. Sure. People will just go to shows, music shows, just to go to a music show. They don't even
1: care. Yeah, the bands or whatever. There's no idea who's playing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or the style of music, right? They'll just go to a venue because sure. they know they put on good shows, yeah. So, I think for uh, myself, Brian, and David, is that we're trying to recondition people to like, no, there's this other thing you can do other than just go to like go see a band, right? So, I mean, I
1: think that is, I don't know about obviously Cleveland specifically, I mean, you guys have a lot of shows, but it does seem like. As I've gone across the country now, uh, numerous times, like in the van, you know, I've been I've been doing van tours now. This is the third year in a row. Like I've done, I did 21, 22 and now this is like twenty three. So, I feel like I have a pretty broad perspective. Like yeah. probably more than a lot of comics, besides guys who are touring clubs. But like just as like kind of an indie comic, like I've seen a lot of the country. I would
0: say that you have your you know, hand more on the pulse of comedy yeah. than probably any other comic in the country, just because you've seen the ins and outs of both worlds. Like I
1: have, yeah. What's
0: going on in the indie scene on the ground level, right? And then what's going on in the clubs, right. as Well, because you know you've gotten to work with a lot of really great comics that are club comics,
1: yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. I love the clubs, and then but I also you know when you're in a van, you got to find any show that'll have you, so you do the right. whatever you do wherever you can. But I. And it's not like I'm like some old, you know, like I've, I've been doing comedy for 10 years. And so I don't have like what it was like in the 80s or 90s. But like for my, it really does seem like comedy is becoming more and more of an accepted mainstream form of entertainment that it's never going to rival music because music is just so much more expansive and bigger. Mm. But I do seem, I think like, A, first of all, there's like a local scene almost anywhere you go now which just, I don't even think, it definitely didn't exist when I started. Like, I've been in the van in all these small towns. And sometimes I'll have like a day where I'm just like, uh, I'm like, you know, you look at the map and you're like, well, fuck, it's like, I don't want to drive 10 hours to get to the next big place. right? Because, you know, in the middle of the country, there's a lot of gaps between like, what's really out there. And you will be like, what's here, you know, and you'll kind of poke around on the map and be like, and you'll look, you'll do some research, you will be like, fuck, they got an open mic. And it's like, you would have never guessed that there's like a couple guys digging it out trying to be a scene wherever they are but they are and they're there and they're yeah. doing their thing and so you i've gone to a lot of places where i'm like there's comedy here and there's like a scene of comics who are trying to do the work like we all are and like they're trying to make their own shows happen and they're trying to you know follow that that path so
0: it's tough too because a lot of the places where you're doing comedy they never like comedy was never a part of their business model.
1: No, not at all.
0: So to convince them to give you an evening right. and make them make yourself a part of their business model yeah. is a hard sell.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, but I do think like fans, because probably a lot of, you know, social media and the podcast, like all the things everybody knows now, like there are just a lot of people who didn't really know about stand-up who are like, yeah, I, I, I want to go see comedy, but that, weren't probably here even five years ago, I bet. Just people who are like, I'll take a risk on a comedy show because I've seen these reels, you know, whatever. It's probably as simple as that. I watch TikTok and once in a while a comedian will come up and I like comedy now. So maybe that just clicks a little idea in there. Even I talked yeah. to a couple people last night at the, what was the 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 restaurant show we did?
0: Oh, in Rocky River? And, yeah. yeah the, uh, Rocky River and socially. Yeah. So
1: when we were doing that, and that's, you know, that was a very different crowd than the apartment show. That was right. much more middle-aged money, you know, good job, you know, probably sure. nicer houses. But those, a couple people, you know, they were talking to me after and I was like, how, you know, I always kind of like to ask, like, how did you hear about this? And they're like, oh, you know, we just, we wanted to do something tonight. And we looked up like events, you know, and they see comedy and they're like, they don't, they, I don't think any of these people knew who like Mike was. But they were just like, but we wanted to try comedy night. Like I think those four people in the front, um, I talked to the the two wives of the the those couples, and they were like, yeah, we just like we were in town just tonight. We wanted to do something with our friends. We looked up events, and we found this comedy show, and that was like cool. And you, I don't know how many shows they've seen. But they were like willing to take a risk and be like, "Yeah, let's go buy tickets to this comedy show at this local restaurant." Or yeah, that'll be
0: fun. At least at the very least, they will get a good meal.
1: Uh, yeah, and you know they enjoyed it. They had a yeah. good time. They bought they bought shirts for me and like you know, so that was cool. It's,
0: I the one thing I will say, and I'm glad David sold me on doing shows more of like pop up style or like, you know, we call ourselves like a remote comedy club. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad he sold me on doing that because there's so many people that we have, like how many people have, I would say at least once a week in a comic asks how many people have come to a comedy show before. Right. And you'd be, or like how many people here, are like this is their first time going to a comedy yeah. show and hands go up.
1: Sure. No, it's becoming, a. It's, it's just like people are. And I think with, with social media, it's refining it. Like I have my beefs with, the way comedy is kind of presented now and like, you know, there's a lot of stuff with the internet and comedy that I think are weird, but I will say that it is like a lot of the complaints of comedians kind of pre Instagram were that a person would show up to a comedy show. Clearly the type of comedian was not for them like they didn't want to see blue or they didn't want to see dark or Mm. it was mostly that you know like no one's I mean some people might go to a clean comedy show and not like it but they're not gonna be like offended but that was a big complaint is like there was no real genre of comedy there was no like you know if you're into fucking folk you don't want to go to a metal show right but all of a sudden you're getting the equivalent of like a metal comedian and you're like dude I didn't want this it was like well You can do any research, but now there's literally zero excuse for a person to ever kind of be at a comedy show, unless it is truly like, I mean, even local showcase comics in a local scene all have something of their material online that you can just be like, oh, these are the names I want to check because I don't want to be challenged or offended. I just want to go, you know, and you can find every comedian on that show and be like, nope, I don't want to hear jokes like this and just not go. And that's slowly turning comedy into not necessarily genres, but people will, you know, like you're going to, un- more and more people will be like, oh, I like this style, I like metal, I like folk, you know, and well, you'll start to I find like those comics.
0: Things like Don't Tell, Comedians You yeah. Should Know, yeah. uh, Dry Bar, that's why those things exist, so you can kind of like yeah. gauge the kind of comedian they're willing to book, especially with Dry Bar, because Dry Bar, they they keep it as clean as possible. I mean, you can talk about sex to a point, but it's, I mean, yeah.
1: yeah, no, it's, and that's great. Like, you know, there was, I think when Drybar first came out, people were kind of shitting on it, but it's like, this is exactly what we want because we want these people not, because I don't want those people at my show. Right. I don't want them mad at me immediately because I'm talking about fucking pedophiles or what, what like whatever right. I want to talk about. Like, please like know what you want, know at least kind of the area of comedy you want or you're comfortable with, and then find that. And I have friends who've done dry bar and they're great comics. The overlap in what we talk about is not, uh, there's not a lot of similarities in that Venn diagram, but at least it's like, cool, they can entertain those types of people and I can do this. And like, there's so many people, you just have to find the right folks who like you or at least like your style. And like, even festivals now, like, are, I mean, like the biggest one is like the Legion of Skank, you know, Skank Fest has a whole fest and like their fans Know what type of comics they want, and they're gonna go and they're gonna get those type of comics. They're right. not, they're not, they're there for a specific style of comedy, and that's cool, and that's what they want. And a dry bar person would be mortified if they bought a ticket to Skankfest, and it's good that both camps can exist.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know,
1: there's no reason that everybody needs to like everything.
0: No, and like it does, like, the hard part is is that sometimes I think people's expectations of what comedy is, is very... Like, the spectrum is just swung crazy, so wildly. Yeah. Because some people just see, oh, I see these clips online, and this person's just talking to the crowd.
1: Yeah, the crowd work stuff is it's big a, yeah. and, like...
0: And I get why we do it that way. Yeah. Like, you don't want to burn material. Right. So you put up the crowd work shit because you know that's never going to happen again. Right. And it was a funny moment sure so you know and you're not burning you're getting yourself out there and you're creating content without burning any material yeah. so it's there's a strategy to it and i get that but i think a lot of people's expectation of what comedy is is that they think that they're coming to be told that their jobs are dumb
1: yeah i mean that probably i i imagine it's it's weird now because i feel like a lot of people only release crowd work clips because yeah, they don't want to burn the act or whatever. And that's fine. But it does, it is kind of weird because like, I don't know, like I, I love doing crowd work. I find it very fun. It's in the moment. I did. I've done a whole crowd work hour before. Mm. Um, you know, I have it on my YouTube. So like that was like the first kind of like special I ever released was like the crowd work hour. And that was cool. It was also advertised as that though. I wasn't surprising anybody when I did the show. It was like, All the tickets were like, you're going to get talked to. This is the whole show. (laughs) No one was like, what the fuck? I thought I was going to hear jokes. Like the whole thing was advertised as like, but like it is weird because comedians for so long have complained about hecklers. And I feel like these crowd work videos are now kind of, these fans are like, well, they like it because I'll get, they'll get a clip out of it.
0: Yeah. I'm helping. That's their attitude, is that I'm helping. But
1: they actually kind of, in a way, are helping, truly, right. because it's like, oh, that got a million views because some guy was like, you know, whatever. Got got
0: beer thrown at them.
1: And it's pff, that made a whole
0: career. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and and, great. That's fine. Like, but
1: it is just like, I, I, all these comics for years have been like, don't talk. I just want to do my act. And now it's like, you know, no, actually, it would be amazing if you did it, because I just need to go viral. Right. You know, but- there's a whole fucking discussion. Yeah, that to, that's you know. yeah. So whatever, but
0: but I guess that's a good launching off point to get in the podcast. Welcome to not weird, just homeschooled with your host Jeremy Demery. I'm good. I'm here with my good buddy here, Jake Silberman. Oh yeah! Uh, we met what 2021? Yeah, when, when I had you... the
1: first van tour when I was doing that documentary, and I was in Cleveland. Yeah, I, I was... met you at. I think we met initially at Hilarities. you were hanging out at the bar, I feel like. Because okay. I have a picture of you, me, and Jimmy Graham that we sent to Curtis Cook. Because I was roommates <laughs> with Curtis in <laughs> Portland. Wow, really? I was roommates with, yeah. Well, uh, I lived with Curtis for, and his now wife, actually, Brandon, uh... I forget the years now of 2016, 2017, maybe he was, it was like the final year before he eventually moved to LA. Wow. But yeah, so I lived with Curtis um, and I was like, do you guys know Curtis? Like he's a, I knew he was a Cleveland guy. Yeah. He's like, we love, everybody was drunk. And I just took a picture and I, I remember I sent it to Curtis and yeah, it was you, me and Jimmy. And I think that was the night I met you. Cause you were just hanging at hilarities at the bar it was like a Sunday night. And then I met you the next night. I remember Sounds we did the right. John's show at that grog yes, shop. That is, yeah. Because that's in the dock, I remember. That's where I, the, and and then, yeah, then we left. It was just two nights. In, yeah. So I met you there.
0: Yeah. I was probably because we I was probably there because I was doing the crowd work show. Oh, yeah. On a Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Good.
1: Yeah. So then uh, we did the grog shop the next night. And then, yeah, we've just kind of kept in touch. And then I've, I saw you in New York a few months ago.
0: Yeah, 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 I ran
1: into you in New York. Yeah, I
0: try to go to New York as often as I can. Yeah. I got that advice from uh Jeff Ross about how, like, you know, because I live so close in Cleveland. You live so close to New York. It's like, try to go to New York as often as you can, especially when you feel like you've got strong material. Yeah. Because you can work on your shit in Cleveland and not be seen. Yeah, and then... Then go be strong, a strong comic in Cleveland yep. or in New York. And, you know two things might happen you know eventually you'll probably end up moving there and two like you're gonna be around stronger comics sure yeah yeah. who will make you a stronger comic yep and then you're more than likely to get in front of somebody who might actually be able to help your fucking career out totally yeah so no i think it was, that's good advice it was, fanat- it was the best yeah. comedy advice i've ever gotten yeah but yeah yeah that's how that's how i met curtis cook is the yeah, we all love him he's yeah. so funny
1: yeah he's great
0: yeah, what a small world. I, I forgot about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was the initial, like, kind of, like, connection point, I remember. Because, yeah, I still, I think I saw that photo. came up in my memories not too long ago. I was like, oh, shit, yeah. Everybody's kind of torqued out. But, yeah, it was funny.
0: But yeah, so we. Was they m- still drinking then? I don't know. I couldn't. Maybe you
1: weren't, but I just remembered that bar was kind of like you know people were taking shots and like I think Jeff it was with Jeff Die and so I know he bought shots for everybody. It was oh, just kind of like a
0: whole like. Yeah, I was thing. not drinking. I was the one who was doing all the driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, that's where you met. Because I quit. I think I quit drinking probably six, seven months before that.
1: Okay, that's probably smart. It was like still pandemic times. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I was a bad drunk.
1: Oh well, uh, that's bad. Good. Drunk. We don't need any more bad drunk. I know, dude. Cleveland
0: has too many yeah, to begin yeah, with. Yeah, so. The
1: whole Midwest does. <laughs> yeah. That's a fucking a bad drunk area of the country.
0: So, where did uh, Where did you grow up?
1: I'm from Minneapolis. Yeah, I'm from, I was born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and uh, I, I went yeah through high school there. And my parents still live there. My brother still lives there. You know, my, how many
0: siblings do you have?
1: Just one. Just a younger brother who's like two and a half years younger than me hmm. and uh yeah he lives there you know some of my closest friends still live there so yeah uh, it, Minneapolis is kind of a town it's like a very I don't know if you've ever been but yeah I've
0: been a couple times so yeah.
1: really like it is a very nice city mm-hmm. and so a lot of people and I'm sure this is true everywhere you know it's it's I think it's weird like I, I think you get a skewed version of life as a comedian because people like scene hop a lot. Like I lived, I lived in Portland Now I live in New York. So mm-hmm. there's this idea that everybody must be moving, but Minneapolis does seem to be like a city that people, it's very pleasant. My mom born and raised there. She, she, she hasn't really lived anywhere else. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a nice place to raise a family. So people, people end up sticking around, you know, yeah. I have
0: a cousin who lives out there. Um, Trevor Dunn. It'd be insane. If you knew it would be, it'd be because it's such a big city, yeah. It, it it really is. Like, I would say it. It's it's almost like Cleveland if Cleveland were like twice its size.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. I don't. I mean, I have. I've done a little more drive. The last time when I met you, we didn't really see hardly any of the city. Like, we literally we did hilarities. I remember we found a weird street to park the van on. This was when I was with the camera guy and we Mm. didn't know anybody in Cleveland. So like he just slept on the floor of my van and I slept on the bed. Like it was a very like kind of, and then I ended up getting hooked up with a cousin of mine that we slept at their house the second night. But so we hardly saw any of Cleveland, but I've been driving around. It's, I feel like it gets kind of a bad rap. Like there's some clearly nice neighborhoods here. I feel yeah. like Cleveland is kind of the butt of a lot of jokes, but Minneapolis, I don't think has as much of that kind of rough around the edges vibe as Cleveland does. You yeah. Know? It, I think it really does encapsulate kind of like the Midwest nice. I mean, you know, there's it's called Minnesota nice. Like right. it really is that kind of people want to be polite. They want to be, it's kind of wholesome in a way. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's, George Floyd happened there, so, you know, shit happens. Right. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not a... But it, it does seem like the culture kind of is that, like, nice Lutheran kind of, like, hey, let like, be polite to your neighbors and, like, you know, all that. Where I don't know if Cleveland has... Cleveland has a different image in the nation's eye, I feel like. You yeah,
0: know? Cleveland's... Like... I, I don't know, it's weird. It's like, it's... Cleveland... We have the ability to have the Midwest niceness, but we're so jaded that we have the East Coast like yeah, bitterness get, right. to it. Or you do jaded. have that
1: kind of bleed in from both sides. I yeah. Think. yeah.
0: So it's a kind of a strange dynamic because yeah. and I don't know. I feel like personally, Cleveland has a lot of hubris to it for how little opportunity it has to offer to anybody. Like, you know, we don't have a lot, we have one of everything. <laughs> Yeah. But that's it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's all you get. Right. You have the one thing, the yeah. one place sure. that does that one thing, yeah. and that's it. That's all you have. <laughs> so it, it, there's not a lot of like, oh, if well, if things don't work out here, I could just go to the other place. Like, yeah. Oh, this is the place. This like, is the
1: place that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, I get that. Um, But, yeah, I've enjoyed my time here. But, yeah, yeah, so born and raised in Minneapolis, um, you know, never – I didn't think I – you know, it was like I was definitely kind of like a traveler wanderer. So I didn't kind of early on kind of knew that I didn't really want to like stay like live in Minnesota for mm. the rest of my life. Like I knew I, w- I wanted to get out Like when I went to college. I went out to the West Coast. You know, I've lived in Portland. I've lived in now I live in New York, you know, so I I'm kind of the friend in the group who like did leave and kind of got out. But um, but it is a nice place. And like, yeah, you know, it- when I go back, I'm like, wow, this, I could. As you get older, you're like, I get it. Like it's chill here. It's easy to get around. It's clean. It's you know, you live in New York and you're just like, damn, there's just like shit on the streets. The bridge
0: isn't gonna collapse anymore. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, it collapsed once and it hopefully it'll never do that again. Right. Yeah.
0: So we had the same, literally, we had the same bridge here. Oh, really? The same person who designed that bridge designed one of the bridges here that like the main one that goes gets you into downtown. Yeah. So the moment that happened, everybody was like, "Fuck!" Yeah, the moment that happened, we we're like, "Okay, well, ours needs to be fixed." Yeah, it happened within the same year. or, two yeah. or whatever. But uh, uh, yeah, Minnesota is beautiful. The people there are friendly. Yeah, uh, I. We go there maybe like once every few years because it's like we'll fly into Minnesota, see my cousin Trevor, and then sure. drive from Minnesota to North Dakota. Okay, it's just for whatever reason, it's usually cheaper and easier. Yeah, to do it that way. I
1: mean, if you're, I would, I would definitely check out. You know, do make a comedy trip there. It's worth it. Like, yeah, you could I'd make, love like, to. You could do like a like a Thursday through a Sunday kind of thing if you planned it right. I think, and there's there's good comics there it's a good scene they got good audiences so like yeah i would definitely do that i've i, I mean it's nice for me cuz i'm kind, i've just gotten to know the comics there just because i visit my family a few times a year so i've started to pop into the mics when i was home and i did their fe- i did 10,000 laughs festival in like 2017 so i got to know some of the producers there and yeah now it's kind of nice it's like a town that like i can go headline like they have a couple comedian run clubs, and so I've headlined either the Comedy Corner Underground or Sisyphus every year. And that's cool. It's very nice, and like the audiences are cool. They come out, and like yeah, so I would definitely recommend it as like a comic just to go there and check it out.
0: I'm hoping that one day Cleveland will have a more or like a more independent. I guess there is one, but it seems like nobody really cares for the person who runs it. So that's kind of a shame. But it would be nice to have like an independent comedy club in Cleveland. Yeah.
1: I mean you guys are kind of we're the closest, yeah, yeah, the closest thing to it, right now. Totally. Knew.
0: Uh I I mean, I guess there's other people kind of doing similar things. I mean, there's there's uh Ramon Rivas who's also doing like Dunlop's on Friday. Yeah. And he's doing a hell of a job. Like nice. And then there's imposter I guess I guess I lied. There is one, finally. There's Imposters Theater.
1: Okay. Uh
0: that's and that one's run by a guy named Michael Bush, who worked for Conan for a little while. Okay. And then after Conan kind of took the route he took, he didn't really need as many writers around as he, you know. So Michael yeah. moved back to Cleveland. Oh. I mean, he would spend his summers here yeah. anyways, sure. but he moved back more permanently in the last year or so and then started imposters Theater, which teaches people he's... if. Cleveland has any sort of, like, sketch, comedy, improv scene. It's predominantly due to Michael Bush. And he's doing a really great job. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, What kind of, like, did you play any sports in high school at all? I did. Yeah, I was was on
1: the basketball team, like, you know, freshman JV, varsity. Um, I ran cross country my freshman year to kind of get in shape for basketball. Uh, and then I started playing ultimate frisbee my senior year. Really, then we had an ultimate frisbee team in Minneapolis, or like there was a bunch of teams in Minnesota. But yeah, our high school had one that was started by some guys. Uh, maybe I don't know if it, I think it was even before I got there. Like so, there was like kind of a strong history with it, and I didn't know anything about ultimate, but I had a friend that I kind of became close with, like my junior and senior year, and he and his brother played on it, and. He was like, you know, I was like my senior. It was like the spring of my senior year. It's a, it's a spring sport. So I, they were like, hey, like basketball is done. Like you're a tall, athletic guy. Like you know, <laughs> it was very just like it was the only time in my life that I've been recruited for any type of athletics. They're like, hey, dude, you're tall. You're in shape. You can jump. You can run. You should like come out for ultimate. And I was like. I don't know i've never been able to like i'd never really been able to like throw a frisbee and mm. i felt like f- not being able to throw a frisbee is like a very frustrating skill because <laughs> yes. you just like know where you want it to go and it just like dives and so i was like i don't know but they were like just come out and i was like all right and so i did and i really liked the game like i liked like it's a very fast-paced game it's mm. like a very like quick movement you know and so they were basically, you know, it was like kind of just like, just go run fast and deep and we'll get you the thing. And that was kind of it. And I, I, yeah, I was good at catching it. So, yeah, I just did it. And, uh, yeah, like we, um, you know, they like it's big enough in Minnesota. Like Minnesota, I think, was one of the, because I think the sport was invented at the University of Wisconsin. So it does have kind of Midwest roots. Wow. And uh, it, it had enough high school teams that they had a, they had a state tournament. Like, you could play in the wow, state tournament. Wow, that's crazy. And so we did, my team, I think we got third, you know, so we pretty good. And, like, I ended up, like, playing, like, I, I got on to, like, the Minnesota, like, they had, like, a national, like, a kind of, like, a state, a national tournament that summer, like, before I went to college. And it was, like, you got to play for the state. So I, like, represented Minnesota State. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. And then I kept playing it in college, and you know, eventually I played in Portland my first few years of comedy. But then comedy got big enough for me that, and like you know, I hurt my knee, and it was just kind of the thing. But yeah, it's a weird sport because it's still kind of a joke. I feel like when you're like tell people you play ultimate or played ultimate, they're like, you're kind of telling them like I don't know, like you're into like uh, Quidditch almost. Yeah, you know? like it's a, it's like oh that dumb weird fake thing, but like. It's gotten really popular, and it's like you know. I mean,
0: we felt the same way about lacrosse for so many years. Yeah, like it yeah, yeah. also seems like a pretty popular sport in Minnesota.
1: It is. They had they had lacrosse teams. I mean, I think lacrosse is bigger on like the East Coast, but there was a lacrosse team that like kind of all the high school kids, if you wanted to play, were on like one team across the city. But uh, yeah, like it, it's just kind of like. It feels kind of like a fake sport. Yeah. So people are like, whatever. And it's kind of dumb and white. It's a very, you know, dumb white sport. (laughs) Uh, But it was fun. I had had a lot. I got to play in a bunch of fun tournaments over the years. It's kind of a, a weird... It's kind of like the people who do it, I will say, this is the one thing I really hated about it, was that... You know, there's kind of that general divide between stand up comics and improv Mm -hmm. people. And the improv people are generally very goofy and extroverted. And stand ups are generally very like dark, wry, generally, you know, not, it's not one to one, but more introverted, more kind of, you know, they wear, they got a lot of problems. And the improv people are just like, ah, life's a goofball kind of, you know. Right. And man, the ultimate people were improv people. And I this was I really did not like it. It was so hard for me to kind of get in. I, I don't really like I've done improv classes. I really I think I think every stand-up should do improv. Yeah. I think it is a really good way to break you up a little bit and open you up and not take yourself so seriously on stage. But hanging out with those people is fucking torture. Because everything is like a game to them. And it's like, and they just are like over the top. And I'm just like, I'm a fucking grumpy guy. I just want to just be like, I just, I'm here to run around and catch a disc and like have a few laughs. But I, they, you know, they're just so over the top that I was just like, these people are fucking kind of a nightmare.
0: Yeah. I'm not a fan of anything that seems almost pandering. It was, it was. For a laugh. And that's my. Yeah, that's it's just my own hand.
1: it was very extra. It was yeah, very just like God damn, dude! Can we just play the game and like, cause like a lot of these tournaments you would go to, it was very like, like you know whatever. It's it's like it's not real. Like there's no real like you can win a tournament and it's like whatever you want a tournament. It's but I'm competitive. I like when I'm playing something I want to win like. And so it always felt weird, like, you would win or you would, like, get your ass kicked, but then at the end of the tournament, they play these little games with each other, kind of like improv games. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, fuck, we just lost. Like, I don't know, I'm very much like, we just lost these people. Let's shake their hands and move on. I don't want to fucking joke around with them. Like, we just got fucking stomped out. Like, what are we doing? What are we pretending that we're all friends with these people for?
0: Yeah, I don't know if a good, because, I don't know, I didn't really grow up with a whole lot of sports okay, so Okay. Yeah. or playing a whole lot of sports. Like when I was 12, like all, after 12 years old, all of your city sports go away in Cleveland.
1: Yeah, because then it's like You're middle supposed, school or high yeah. school. Yeah, 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 so
0: all those sports went away. So I was a skateboarder after that. Okay. So like being competitive as like in those, I guess, more formative years was never really a concept to me. Yeah, I mean, I
1: played sports from the day I can remember. You know, so it was I,
0: like... I think even when I'm losing or I have lost in life, I just don't care. Like, okay. don't, I'm just like, oh, that happened, and I'm just move you move forward. on. Well, that's
1: probably like healthy in a way to be able to kind of like just be like whatever. The, like I'll get another chance, right? But I mean, dude, like, like I was, I had a buddy of mine visit me a couple months ago in New York, and like there's a venue union hall mm-hmm. and like they have a lot of comedy shows there, but upstairs is a big bar and it's big enough that they have like two indoor bocce ball, like, you know, bocce ball, the yeah, fucking, yeah. you know, and bro, like me and my buddy were playing against each other. And like, you could tell we were like trying, it wasn't just like, <laughs> Hey, it's okay, like, Hey, good to see you. It was yeah. like my friend who was watching us was like, bro, you're like body language changed, <laughs> Like you. And I was like, yeah, I fucking wanted to win. That's like so funny. And there, it's like, so there, and i don't know if it's born into you if it's nature nurture but there is that part of you that's just like i want to and it's weird cuz even sometimes in stand up i think about it in terms like that which i don't think is healthy but a thing that i have to get over is like and i don't i think a lot of i don't know you could tell me if you think this way but a lot of times on a stand up show if i'm going like later in the show if i'm either going last or like second to last let's say and everybody in front of me is done well i'm like someone has to do bad. (laughs) Right. They're Like, in my mind, they're like, almost has to be a loser. Yeah. So I always... And then I put this prayer. I'm like, it's probably going to be me now because, like, especially if you go last, you're like, fuck, everybody did well. So eventually, somebody has... There has to be a loser, and I worry... It's going to be me, for sure. And usually it's not. Usually it's fine, and you do well. But there is that, like...
0: Well, That's probably where that competitiveness comes in handy, right? Is like because you will succeed in those situations where somebody like me were just like, I'm just gonna go up and
1: maybe I'll bomb and, and like that sucks or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, like there is that, like, and honestly, being in New York is like amped it up a little bit mm-hmm. because like you see how good everybody is, sure, and you do start to be like, sometimes there are like those sets where you're like, I'm not as funny as these people on this show, like. I'm not as experienced. My jokes aren't as good. But you almost feel like, but I'm going to fucking will my way. Like, I'm going to get, I'm going to fucking just, like, I've had a, the worst I do in stand-up is I have, like, a very negative brain, like, a Mm. lot of comics. And I've noticed, and a buddy of mine that I went on tour with a few weeks ago told, he was like, I see this in you a lot. It's like, there'll be a moment where, like, one thing doesn't work, and it's almost like this, like, crevasse of, like, there's a little dip. And you can see that I'm losing it on stage. Like, you're like, oh, he's not believing in himself. And it just, and I've tanked whole sets that way because I'm like, I don't even, might not even say it out loud. I might not be like, oh, you guys didn't like that. You know, I don't, but I'll just be like, fuck, that didn't work. And then instead of just moving on, I'll just be like, you're the worst fucking comedian. You know, you get all that negative self talk. And so you really do have to kind of like, like, I have to trick myself and just be like, nope, we're not going there. We're fucking just going to, barrel through like you just got to make it happen right now and like that is kind of a sports analogy like michael jordan lebron had bad games you know they're always gonna ha- there's but there's some games where it's like they had an okay game but if they had given up they would have had a bad game you know mm. like there's some sets you're gonna bomb you're I gonna eat this, shit you know I have this
0: michael keep going i have this michael jordan quote that i i look at it on occasion yeah because it's
1: Some days you're going to eat shit, but there's the guys who are like really winners in society are like, all right, on my mediocre day where I might have only scored five, but Michael Jordan is like, fuck this, I'm going to score 15. He would do it. He would fucking find a way to be like, nope, I can feel it. I'm off today. And if I just kind of let the world make me off, I'll just end up, I'll shoot one for 10. I'll get it, you know, whatever. But no, the guys who really make shit happen, they're like, fuck that. I'm going to drive and I'm going to get followed. I'm going to go to the line. I'm going to get my points that way, you know? And it's just like, you kind of have to have that. I'm not comparing myself to Michael Jordan, by the way, but you do have to have that mindset of like, damn, dude, I just feel off or this crowd isn't feeling me right now. Like you can't just give up. The job is to make people laugh. So you got to like find any way. And like, I'm starting to just try to use that like natural competitiveness to my advantage of be like, nope. I'm not going to be the one who fucks this show up. Like, I'm not going to be the guy who just kind of sinks into himself. And this is like very recent. This Mm -hmm. is like in the last year where I've really even noticed, like, damn, that's a big problem for you on stage. It's like you'll just tank it or you'll just give up. And now I'm just trying to, like, nope, grit the teeth. Just get through it. We're doing this. Or
0: I'll, my thing is, I'll turn on the audience.
1: Yeah. And I used to do that a lot. I can't do that. And that is because you're just, Unless they're so bad that they know almost that they've been bad, but if they're just like, "Hey, we just didn't think you're f-, you're it's you're almost never gonna win that scenario because yep. they're gonna be like, it's your job to make us laugh and we're not laughing, so you yelling at us is like you we're kind of you're saying that we were right,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, you're not endearing yeah, us to you at so, all.
1: But I used to do that all the time. That was my go-to immediate flip out, fuck you, and then you just I don't know. You eventually just have to fucking be like the job is to make anybody in this room laugh how can i get that done and you then you do open yourself to other then you might do crowd work maybe the jokes aren't working you just talk to the crowd and or maybe you just are like riff about the room like something but you have to find a way yeah. to get to the goal which is making these people laugh and it, and and the people who do with this every night obviously get more practice but and they have all more tricks you know but every comic from an open micer to the guys who've been doing it 30 years, know that that is in some way a reality. Like, oh shit, this isn't working. I have to figure out a way to do something different right yeah, now. Yeah, I got to pivot. Something.
0: Which is a skill set that I think I've learned in the last two, couple of years. Yes. Yeah. For one, being able to pivot. And then two, like, I was, I think the reason why Sam kept booking me on the CrowdWork show and John allowing it was because I was really bad at it. Okay. I was terrible at CrowdWorks. yeah. And they like to watch me squirm.
1: Oh, well, there you go. And well, that's good for you too to build those muscles.
0: They, uh, they, I think they enjoyed watching me like get squirmy up there and yeah. like, try and figure it out. And yeah. like eventually I, you know, I did. And now I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not I wouldn't say I'm like the best at crowd work, but I, I can handle myself when yeah, it comes yeah. to crowd work. Sure. So I'm comfortable enough to be in the moment and, Kind of go back and forth with somebody in the crowd. But do you feel like.
1: Um, I got to hear this Michael Jordan quote first. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I've been. i got to so hear MD. He's like, talking.
0: I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. Uh, 20, 26 times I've been trusted to take the game winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that's why I succeed. Yeah. Which is such, like, yeah. I don't know whose that's quote famous it was. That's a one for him, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that it has numbers in it, too. That's yeah, the thing yeah. I, I think I like most about yeah. it. But like, Because, yeah, I could have just as easily used the phrase, like, the road to success is riddled with failure. Yeah. and It
1: is nice to have some stats behind it.
0: Yeah, I like the numbers part. And
1: Michael Jordan was crazy enough that he probably, like, knew that every game he played. <laughs> yeah. That dude was, like, a fucking savage guy. So I feel like he probably was, like, he used that, I imagine, to be, like, Fucking
0: be like, oh. I admire that part of him. Yeah, believe I mean, it that, or not. Yeah,
1: like, I, I, I mean, I think, dude, anybody who's at that level is kind of fucking crazy. Yeah, like it's kind of weird. Like, I, I don't know what LeBron... because LeBron is kind of this very like clean cut version. Like, you know, people talk shit about him, but like a lot of the de- defenders, you know, they're like he's never cheated. He's got the same girl from high. You know, like they're like, mm-hmm. and he really is like, a, but. He has to have something dark inside of the, him to be that good, you know, like because yeah. Michael Jordan kind of wore it on his sleeve. He was like a gambler and but he was an asshole. He was an friends. asshole. He punched his teammates. Yeah. So LeBron has to somewhere he has a room in his fucking mansion where he just goes and fucking <laughs> yeah. decapitates little animals or something. Like there's yeah. he, I don't think you can be that good without being there has to be some part of your brain that's like, I'm almost psychotic in my will to be the best, you know.
0: Or but, just like he's so passive that it builds up and then he takes it out. Maybe on the basketball. Maybe court. that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I have no but idea. Yeah. I don't. I, I wish I had that part of me. That's I why think I you like. Can admi- train it though. I. That's why I admire people like Michael Jordan. Like everyone says, he oh he was an asshole, who just so happened to be like a successful asshole. But like, I feel like that I could benefit by being an asshole a little bit more because
1: oh dude, it's not just Michael mm- Jordan. Like way lower. Assholes get shit, man. Assholes get stuff that they probably don't even deserve. I mean, every comedian looks at other comics and you'll be like, why is this guy getting these shows? And it's not maybe because he's an asshole per se, but he does have that drive to be like, well, he asked. And a lot of us are very passive. We want to always be asked. We don't ever want to feel like we're bothering anybody but dude you see people who are on tour or like doing shows you're like this guy sucks at comedy and it's like why is he everywhere it's like well he asked he got some momentum and then everybody else kind of was like i guess this guy should be doing these shows and and dude lots of careers in and not just comedy go that way yeah i mean so many business people you kind of like there was always those guys you know on instagram being like i wake up at four it's like dude the the driving trait to all you guys is you're psychotic assholes <laughs> right. and you think that you deserve the world. And so you go get it though. Like that is the thing. They go get it. You any any romantic thing, you know, there's 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 a girl at a bar, there's ten guys who find her attractive, but the one guy who's gonna go get her is the one who actually goes and talks to her. There's right. She might have even liked five of the other guys better, but they just sat there twiddling their thumbs, and then the one guy's like, I think you're pretty, or whatever, mm-hmm. she's at least going to be like, all right, you're talking to me, you know? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys who are just like, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe and she'll then, come to me.
0: Yeah, She won't. She won't. <laughs>
1: she definitely won't. So you do, I think in life, have to have a little bit of that, like, grit to just be like, and it sucks, dude. It's the worst thing, because normal people feel, I think, the way we do, where it's just like, I don't really deserve it, or like, especially or the I, depressed I, comics, I go, Yeah, know, like. I
0: go, I revert to, you know what, they're right.
1: Yeah, you can't think that because it's yeah. all made up anyways, I think. <laughs> right. It's all like a fake fantasy world. Like, it's not a meritocracy, really. It's not like there's no real like it's just like who wants it? Who's going to get it? How are they going to get it? And, you know.
0: And most of the time, it's mostly like internalized. No one has said anything. No. No one has and said anything And probably most negative. people
1: aren't thinking that either. It's not right. like they're like, Jeremy fucking sucks. Right. No one is thinking that. It's just that they're wrapped up in their own shit.
0: Right. I, uh, I I think that people are generally... They're outwardly lazy because they're so inwardly busy. Yeah, that's that a good way to
1: put it. Yeah, they're freaking out about their own lives 24-7.
0: Sure. And uh, I can relate to that. Like, I mean, they...
1: that's what it is to be human. <laughs> right. I mean, it's literally like, oh, fuck, I'm in charge of survival for this meat fucking puppet? Like, <laughs> right. yeah, dude, I have to make this work.
0: I have to make this thing live.
1: And you have fantasies and dreams about what you want your life to be and those are not going to be handed to you. Like very few people in life are just like here's all the things you want. I mean you have to work for it and some people have to work harder. I mean that's also the unfair thing about life is some people you know have to work much harder for To get less, even like Mm -hmm. than a guy who you know whatever is born with certain advantages. Nothing's
0: no nothing's more prevalent, uh, I think, of that than I I just I guess in general the entertainment arts. But like I think in comedy more so than anywhere else, because like there's some people who've been doing comedy significantly less time. Oh, of course, and they're much better comics than I am.
1: Yeah, I mean that's just got some of it's God given talent, right? Some of it is an early break. That, you know, led to, I mean, there's a million reasons why (laughs) calendar days don't equate to a career.
0: That's why I always tell anybody who's just starting off comedy who really wants to take it, like, seriously, like, don't put time, like, work hard as possible. Like, put personal goals in place, sure, but don't put timelines on them or like yeah. strict timelines on them because you're never going to get the things that you want on your timeline. No,
1: no. I mean, in things that you think you deserve or you should have been up for, or like, why am I not getting this look like that? I, a few, I remember I have like a, I don't know exactly when it, it was before the pandemic, but I remember kind of making a very conscious choice and like, whatever we all, like I still fail at this a lot, a lot, but I've gotten a lot better, but I really did tell myself at some point, I was like, look, man, you are kind of at a fork in the road. You need to either stop caring what is happening with everybody else or you're gonna fucking go crazy. Yeah. And I just was like, you know what? I wanna keep doing comedy. I like doing it. It's something that gives me joy. I can't trip out about what it cause I was just that guy who was always not even like just like, you know, silently just like angry and jealous. And it was just like, dude, like you're miserable. And you're doing the thing you want to do. So what is the point of this? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like You're doing comedy every day, but you're fucking miserable because you're not getting what you think. And I I just kind of was like, we're not going to do that anymore, man. And I got so much happier. Yeah. I got, and every time I get on social media, I get unhappy. And it's because I go back in that brain of like, they got this and why are they here? And I'll be doing a fun... Dude, it's so crazy. I'll be like, get off stage, have it, had a great set, in a place that I've wanted to perform, and then look at social media like, well, I'm not there, so fuck me. And it's right. just like, what is, what are you doing? Yeah, bro? like, so yeah, I think I've been com- trying that my That comparison best. game is brutal, and I've been it, and trying go, my best to not do that anymore. It's not worth it because you're having fun. If you're having fun, that true, like, they the scorecard at the end of life is zero for everybody. Dude. Right, <laughs> everybody is gonna get a big fat zero because no one makes it out alive. So like. Really, I mean, it is like metaphysical, but it's like you have to enjoy it. Right. And it does suck, and there are fucking hard days. I mean, dude, I'm living in a van right now. A a couple days this week, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's all my choice. No one told me to do this. Yeah, No one made me go try to live out of van and do this fucking road comedy bullshit. Like, I made this choice. If I want to stop, I can, but it's... You're doing this to yourself. Right. So it's weird. I mean, comics complaining all the time is like, no one in, no one is demanding you do literally any of this. You're here on your own accord. You weren't no one put a gun in your head and be like, you better be a stand-up fucking comic, or you're it's like, no, we're here.
0: Though we like to paint that picture as we if do, we yeah. were,
1: like sure, but that's all like internal reasons to keep going sure. and, like I was born to do this, or like I have and I and I do believe that in some way. I do believe there is an internal calling for people to do a lot of things. There's there's people like your brother probably early on was like, I know I want to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. That that wasn't just some random thing. He had something born into him and life happened and he was like, I'm going to do this. So I don't think it's totally random, but we
0: could do other things. Yeah. He, and he blew out his ACLs oh, playing he did? soccer. That's you, what sparked him. Becoming and he was like, I don't. Yeah.
1: Game. All right. There you go. Yeah. Some people were molested. They became comedians. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's this tomato, tomato, but you know, it is what it yeah. is. It's like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what we're talking about, honestly, but we're just getting philosophical, I guess. About yeah.
0: It. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. I, I think what kind of, I guess to get a little bit back on track, but like, uh, what was like your friend group growing up in high school? Were you like a part of like the jocks or?
1: No, it was weird. Like, so. I had a lot of friends in elementary and middle school like so the elementary school almost everybody from my elementary school went to the middle school because it was directly across the field. Mm. So it was like you went to Kenny Elementary and then you went to Anthony Middle School. So I had this huge group of people I knew, you know, like a lot of good friends and then like just a ton of people I knew from for years, you know, like I went to preschool with some of these people even and then in high school Minneapolis has like seven public high schools and they, they had like the magnet programs. Like you could go to the neighborhood school that you went to if you just by address, but you could apply to go to the different ones. If you were into like, you know, they had the the IB program, they had a liberal arts program. So a lot of my friends were either in the neighborhood or applied to go to this high school called Southwest. Uh, and I applied to go to South So I went to a high school that almost none of my, that whole childhood group went to. So I kind of started over in high school. I had a few friends go from middle school, those early days to South, but 90% of them went to the different high school. Wow. And so it was weird. It was weird because a lot of the kids at South knew... They were part of that group. They had known each other for a while. They went to the same middle school. So and they're having
0: the kids make these decisions, like yeah, because
1: like the the liberal arts program at South was like seen as like a good college prep, and like you know like wow. it, there was just was all a the, lot of
0: responsibility. To put it on was a kid and at like
1: age. the IB program was seen as like very rigorous, and I was like, I just don't know if I really want to be in that. So I went to South, and yeah, it was tough. I mean, my freshman year when I got there. I mean, I, I fucking sat on the floor for lunch. Like, I didn't even sit at a table. Like, I was just alone. Like, I didn't, the few friends that I knew from middle school had had a le- different lunch period, and I didn't know anybody. So I was just like, you know, you're a shrimpy, I hadn't had my growth spurt. I was just like the shrimpy ninth grader who didn't know anybody. South was a little rougher around the edges, and Southwest was kind of seen as like the whiter, prepier school. South was, like, definitely more diverse. Kids were coming from neighborhoods that weren't as nice as some of the neighborhoods that the Southwest kids came from. So I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, I just was, like, kind of out of my element, you know, a little bit and just, like, really just, like, oh. And, I, you know, so, yeah, my friend group in high school, I was not part of the jocks. Even though I was on the basketball team, like, I wasn't – There was like a popular kids crew, and I just wasn't in that. Hmm. And I just was kind of an outcast. Yeah, I mean, I was just like, I had a few friends. um, My best friends, the two guys I would consider my best friends, neither of them went to my high school. So when I would meet up with friends, it wasn't kids from South. It was like one went to Washburn and one went to Southwest. And so that was kind of the crew for a while. And yeah, it was I hated high school. I I was miserable Mm. all four years. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like being there. I didn't really ever get I never really felt like I fit in. Um, South the building itself was this weird building that I don't know if this was ever true. I've never looked into this, but it made sense. Like it was supposedly designed by a guy who used to design prisons. So it didn't have any windows so it was like you in the Minnesota <laughs> winter you would go and it was dark. you would come out at three it was dark. It's freezing. It was this fucking this like brick like you know kind of cinder block building on the classrooms. the classrooms didn't have any windows on the first two floors. They later they had an addition to South on the third floor and they had windows. Mm. so it was nice you got like sunlight during the night, like if you had Spanish class up there but for the most of your high school days you were in a fluorescent lit brick environment. The fucking lunchroom was this big open area. So it felt like a prison lunchroom because there was a balcony on the second floor and you could just imagine prison guards looking at you. Wow. It was just like not a very, like, ooh, I'm here to get educated. Like I was just, and I was going through puberty. So I was depressed. You know, like it just, a lot of it was like not ideal. I never went to any dances. I didn't have any girlfriends. Like I didn't have, like, you know, that's when guys are starting to get dates and I just, I was. Yeah, te- you lived. The,
0: you actually sound like you were more homeschooled, in the same way like I was. Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: like I was around yeah. kids, but I just felt completely isolated for the most part. And you know, it was like my mom would get me up, and I would just bitch and moan every day. I don't want to go to school. I fucking hate school. And yeah, I mean, I truly those were probably the f- worst four years of my life. It's wow. Just just being like. Cause there's that still that you you're starting to grow up and be like you start to start you start to realize like this is all kind of bullshit yeah but you're forced to be there you're forced to be around the hierarchy that you didn't ask to be a part of you're forced to go to these classes that you're not interested in or the teachers don't seem to give a fuck about you you're up at fucking whatever eight in the morning in the cold you know you're waiting at the bus stop it's fucking Minnesota cold so it's like ten degrees yeah. Then you go to basketball practice and, like, you know, like, it's just a weird... It was just... It's just, like, a weird time in your life where you're just, like, all right, I have to be here. My body is changing. My brain is changing. I'm horny all the time. (laughs) But, like, then you see the good-looking popular guys get dates and you hear that they're fucking and you're just, like bro, like a girl isn't even looking at me. Like right. it's not even like I, I'm not even in the game of like, oh, I went out with the girl and it didn't work out. It's like, I just wasn't talking to women.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Those are the guys who grow up to think that every woman wants to fuck them. A and lot of those
1: guys ended up, I Facebook friends with a few of them. They have very boring jobs and they got married and had kids. Like yeah, th- and and that's they literally fun.
0: think that any woman that talks to them wants Probably. to fuck them. And it's like it's like, dude. No, she doesn't. She was just a nice human being who had a conversation.
1: I have people. the opposite. Where women who have fucked me, I'm like, I didn't really see this happen. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I am always like, I am so surprised this happened.
0: Yeah, same. I
1: I put it out like anytime time I'm like, you know, you get that internal like, I think she's flirting with you. I'm less like, she's not. There's no way she would. And uh, yeah. Maybe I don't know if it serves you better or worse. Like again, those guys probably get more dates, and they probably get more women in their life because they're like, "I'll talk to this chick; she'll probably like me."
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: I mean, I don't know. That's like a whole other thing. But like, all, I will say in high school, that was not where I was. Just like, what? All right, girls are not for me. I guess like I'm not. Girls aren't my thing. I guess you know.
0: Yeah. How how old were you when you had your first girlfriend or lost your virginity? I was. In what movie were you watching?
1: I was well. I had like a girlfriend pretty early on, freshman year of college.
0: Uh, Oh, okay.
1: So like it was like eighteen when I had my first girlfriend, but that was short lived, and we actually didn't have sex. We just kind of hooked up, Mm. and I didn't. I don't think I lost my virginity till I was like late nineteen or almost twenty. Like it was definitely like sex was like a weird thing for me for a while. I was just like, I just don't know if I can do this, and I was, you know, whatever. But uh, but then it's also funny because when you're 20 or when you're in those early ages, you build it up and now, you know, you, you've been fucking for right. almost two decades. You're like, yeah, sex. It's it a is thing. What it it, is. I mean, yeah. it's great, but it's just like you used to just, it used to be the thing. You were just like, I have to have sex. I'm like, yeah, the driving
0: ha-. force of everything was you, that. And like
1: any party you went to. Like now, if I go to a party and there are women there, like, I'm just like, I'm here to do my own thing. <laughs> right. I don't give a shit. I'm not, ta- I don't really like, talk to women. Like not like, not like at all, but I, I don't really pursue women that way. I don't, yeah. I don't really try to, if it happens, it happens. But like, I've never done the dating apps. I've never like, really? I did them. Um, I had a girlfriend in Portland for a couple years and then right, those apps were becoming big. So when we broke up, I got on them for like a a month. I went on two dates. The dates were horrible and I just deleted them and I've never done them since. Mm. And that was eight years ago. Wow. And yeah, I don't know. I just like meeting people in real life. I don't really want it to be contrived. I don't want it to be forced. So I have no... So I'll... I, I just kind of removed myself from that. If it happens, it happens. I kind of just am like, if you show enough interest, then I guess we'll talk. Right. But if not, like I'm not probably going to go up to a gal and just be like, hey, I think you're cute or whatever. I just don't, that's just not my game. Yeah,
0: I, I was never that guy. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I also met my wife like right before those <laughs> apps were like uh, socially acceptable again. Or like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was like, a, you know, there was like a stigmatism about it.
1: Yeah, it was kind of weird for, for creeps almost. Yeah, and then it's kind of seen as like an extension of like going on Craigslist and finding a date. Right. Yeah. And, and it then it's like, oh, you have a, you use the internet to find women. Like it's it, that. Yeah. And then it just became like now the it's thing. like
0: that's how you meet people. I know,
1: man. but I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm glad you know, You obviously hear about people who make it work, but. Honestly for me it's probably I'm also like lazy and I just remember the, that one month I had it like you would get the matches and then you would talk and they would ho- hardly ever go anywhere and I was just like god this is a lot of work
0: yeah to like try to meet some
1: like I don't know and it's like what are the odds that I really do end up liking this person so I don't know
0: it seems I, exhausting personally like people a, do it
1: in New York like in New York it's like a religion like mm-hmm. because like it's so hard to meet people and they're so, everybody's so busy that like yeah I, I mean people are working those apps but I don't know. It, I don't yeah, really it's like Spotify. how you
0: don't... I feel like these days nobody meets anybody almost organically. It does happen through, like, an app or something like that, which is fine. I'm not knocking it, but, like, uh, I'm sure it's tough and exhausting. You put a lot of work into somebody, and then you guys just never meet, or...
1: Or, yeah, you just, like, clearly... It's just, I guess the thing I would say about it is that you end up meeting people who... Most likely, you wouldn't have ever talked to them because you might not have... Or if you had talked to them at a dinner party, you would have quickly been like, there was no chemistry here. Sure. But you have to do all this pre-work to be like... To find out, to meet up, and then be like, oh, there is no chemistry here. And, you know, I don't know. But, yeah. So anyways, high school sucked.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I applaud you for actually picking a... uh a group of people that you were like associated with because most people are like you know I was friends with a little bit of everybody I was like and I'm like no you weren't you yeah. knew like one person from like one group of people and then you just assumed you were also inundated into that group of people
1: well you could tell pretty clearly at my high school wh- what group you were a part of like mm. it, it, like there was a physical location in the building on the second floor overlooking the big common lunch area there was a a part of the balcony that the cool popular kids hung out at and it would have been weird if I kind of saddled up there like it was just like what is Jake doing here like it would have been obvious what I was trying to do right and it was weird because I remember going into ninth grade you know when you're starting to meet all these people you're kind of trying to be friendly to everybody in a way because but quickly by that second semester of ninth grade you could see guys kind of making their move to like all of a sudden they're dressing like the cool, like you are just like, oh, he he picked his lane. Like he's going for, that's his group. He wants to be part of these guys. Mm-hmm. He And, you know, it's like he doesn't seem any cooler than anybody else, but he's all of a sudden like, oh, look at his clothes are nicer. He's dressed, he's doing his hair a certain <laughs> right. way. Like you just were like, oh, he, and I was like a scrubby kid. I wore the same hoodie to high school every day. I was just a fucking like, you know, whatever, garbage patch kid, I guess. I don't know. Like, it was just not for me. But, yeah, it was pretty clear where you belonged and where it was just like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to fucking bother with these guys.
0: Yeah, I was kind of a part of the old, like, punk rock skateboarding kids by almost proxy because it's all I did was skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> like Because it's the only, like, physical real activity I could do, especially after 12, like...
1: And, like, that's probably how you met kids. Is after, Skateboarding, you yeah. you were a homeschool kid. Like, yeah. That's, that's, like, where you probably were able to find kids to hang out with, I imagine. Yeah, and
0: I was, like, I was the weird kid that would just show up. Like, I would just, because I was invited to something, i sometimes just show up to those things. But no one really knew how they knew me. Yeah. Because they didn't go to school with right. me. Yeah. Like, I was just around yeah, one day. You are just that weird
1: kid. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was like, oh, it's, it's Jeremy. He's yeah. here. Like, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. So, which was kind of nice because I can kind of, I always stuck to the punk kids, the punk skater guys or whatever. So that was like my, or like the stoners or whatever. That was kind of who I hung around. Uh but I was able to leave if I ever felt like uncomfortable or yeah, peer true. pressured or anything. And right. I didn't have to deal with them on Monday. So fuck them. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's cool. And I was comfortable just being alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's That's a
1: good skill to have as a comic.
0: Being alone. I dude. I, I'm not very good at working with others. The the fact that I can get away with it with the, the reason why things work between David and Brian and I is because we have our own separate things that we do.
1: Yeah, no, I think... Uh, I mean, I've learned doing the van thing. Like, I was always comfortably alone, but I, like, you know, it. it is weird at some point where you start to get s- more comfortable by yourself than with people, because mm-hmm. I feel like there's this idea that you always... Naturally, I think some people think that you should always want to be around people, but, like, I spend days in cities that I don't know anybody like I'll show up do the shows and then I'll just go back to the van or mm-hmm. like I spend a whole day like I'll go to a park by myself and like I don't even think twice of it now I'm just like I'm in a van I'm alone I hang out with comedians when I'm in towns where I know comics maybe or I meet new comics but beyond that it's just like being alone is kind of like the that's the default at this sure point, you know
0: Comics are generally easy to meet because...
1: Yeah, they they have a bond.
0: Yeah, and we're natural talkers. Like, yeah, they'll just talk. You you don't have... That's that's one thing I like about comics is that you only have to ask a few questions and they'll just go.
1: Yeah, and, you know, there's also just... It's such a weird little thing that you do that there is just a natural... It's almost kind of (sighs) like... Good to see you out here, man. Like, you know, you kind of bump into them in the desert. You're like, fuck, this is crazy that we're both doing this, isn't it? Like, this is wild, man. Yeah, for sure. Like, what are we doing, you know? I think there's that underlying statement of just like, this is fucking nuts that this is our lives. And you talk about the gigs that you've done and the other comics you know, and, and I mean, it's... It's still, even though there's so many more people doing it, it's still a very small community of, like, the people who have been doing it for a while. You're like, oh, I know that. Or, like, you know, we both know Curtis. Or we both, Mm -hmm. you know, you've done these things. You've been in New York. And, you know, so there's the overlap is, I mean, you could spend four hours with a comic and not even get to know them as a person just be like, isn't that getting crazy? Or like, isn't that guy a fucking psycho? Like you just, there's so much of the little world that you can explore with them and hear their opinion on that. You don't even know them as like a guy that much.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of comments like that. There's, you know, people I've known for five, six years and, and I never knew that siblings where they grew up. Right. 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 So it's been that's one benefit of this podcast. It's been it's nice being able to get to know the people that I've or really get to know somebody that I've known for several years. Yeah, totally. So um, I had one. Oh, what draw you to comedy? Like, what got you into comedy? Because it seemed like you know you kind of you rolled with like the more like athletic types.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was definitely like you know class clown. I mean, I think you know. I mean, some of being funny, I think, is just, you know, you meet people where you're like, oh, you're just not funny. Like, mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, it's kind of a personality type. So I was always like the funny dude in my friend group. And, um, you know, I love to laugh and I love making people, you know, like yeah. I did. Like, I, I mean, me and my friends were like basically like, especially in high school, we were just like shit talkers, you know, that was like we would clown on each other. We would like the world was something that you kind of looked out onto and be like, how can we make fun of this? You know, like, yeah. fuck this guy. You know, it was a lot of busting balls. It, it was kind of that. I don't know if, I mean, it was kind of that New York style, even though we were Minnesota kids, like sure. what you hear about comics back in the day, it was like, it was a lot of like, let's make fun of our friends and let's make fun of the world. And that's just how, and it was probably the way we kind of got through life because, you know, we probably all weren't that happy, really. Right. I wasn't happy in high school. I was miserable. So, like, for me, the only kind of power I could get was, like, but I can, like, make... I mean, and some of it was mean, and I had to grow out of the meanness of it. Mm. Some of it was for laughs, but a lot of it was maybe for laughs just at me and my friends, but it was, like, fuck this other person. And I don't want to be that way anymore. Yeah. But that was a lot of growing up, and you got to grow out of that shit. And it was, like, clearly a lot of, like, projection of, like, anger and sadness on the world that now i if i have that i can control it a bit better
0: yeah i've but had you to know, do that a lot recently of like apologizing to people for being such an asshole to them. i
1: i'll I, once in
0: a blue moon like if i'll go back to me actually
1: there's a comic it was very weird but like i was in a green room in minneapolis uh i think this winter this past winter and i walked in and like this this other comic was like hey you two know each other and i Looked at this girl. I'd never like she didn't look familiar to me, and, and I was like, "Oh, have we met like in comedy before?" I'm like, "I'm sorry, I don't remember you." And she was like, "No, we went to high school together." And she, I guess, had started comedy, you know, after me, obviously. And she started in D.C., but lives in Minneapolis now. I was like, oh, "Okay," and she told me her name, and like she was like telling me even the class, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't really remember mm. you," but she basically said I was like kind of an asshole to her, and I and I was like. I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like, That's who I was. I was just a fucking depressed kid. And yeah. like, the way I interacted with people was like, I don't relate to you. I'm going to just kind of like immediately, like, I'm going to put you on the defensive so I don't have to relate to you. And that's like, in a way, it's a skill building thing. It's like, it is like a comedian type of thing. Like you're always in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. but it's not a great way to make friends.
0: Nope. It, mine was mostly born out of insecurity of, The things I was insecure about myself, yeah, I'd lash out onto others about, and like it was an immaturity. I was an asshole, yeah. And you know, thankfully, that guy is a better person than me and was willing to forgive me for all like the just being just mean to them relentlessly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wonder. I do wonder sometimes if I ran into these people, like what they would think or even remember. Because I mean, a lot of it was probably generally harmless. Like I don't, we never like. We never, we never like physically. It wasn't like we weren't like bullies. We didn't beat anybody up. We mm-hmm. didn't get in fights. It was just a lot of like, you're either with us or against us, man. And like, we had a small little crew that was clearly against the world in that way of <laughs> yeah. just like, fuck, fuck these popular kids, fuck you know. And it was just yeah, like, and
0: you guys were all in different, we were in schools. different schools. So
1: yeah, like we would like, we would bike around a lot and just like getting a little dumb jawing matches. So, you know. yeah, that
0: was probably your training ground for comedy because you're not around each other all the time, so you have all this, like, pent-up, like, bits or things yeah. you're excited to tell them yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, You know, like, or things you know, like, oh, I'll bring this up and we can riff on this for a totally. while. Totally,
1: and it was just, like... Yeah, just... We just fucking, like, wanted to make each other laugh and, like, but we just did it in kind of, like, an aggressive way. <laughs> right. But I wasn't, um... I was not, like, a stand-up comedy nerd. Like, I know a lot of... I met, obviously, a ton of comics over the years who, like, they knew... They saw David Letterman at eight and were like, I'm going to be a comedian. And I never had that. I mean, I started when I was almost 26. So it wasn't, like, late, late, but it's not early. I mean... When you're four years in and you're already 30, like, you feel old, kind of. See, I didn't
0: start until I was 30.
1: Okay, yeah. So, so we kind of started... We started on, you know...
0: Well, I mean, I guess I dabbled a little bit, but I didn't really... I'm an idiot, and I didn't know that Cleveland even had a comedy scene. So growing up, you know, I was born in Los Angeles, got like a family in New York. Um. So one, the first time I saw comedy was in New York. Yeah. And I honestly... I, in my mind, David Tell was on the show, but I couldn't honestly tell you as a fact that he was really on it. Right. But it was at the Comedy Cellar, and that was it. I went once, and then every time I went, you know, in Cleveland, all the names on the marquees are either guys from L.A. Or New York. Or New York. So I didn't know, like, you could be a comedian in Cleveland. And I didn't know there was a comedy scene in Cleveland until I was older. So, like... You know, I assumed, like, oh, I have to move to New York. If I want to be do comedy, I'd have to move to New York or Los Angeles. So for the longest time, I was like, well, and Cleveland's a music town. So I just played in bands. I just assumed that's you know, that was the form of entertainment. So, yeah, when I found out that there was, an like, a friend of mine got in. He started doing stand-up, and he was doing open mics at uh, a place called Lakewood Village Tavern. And, like, he signed me up for that, and then... I maybe got a chuckle at the last thing I said. Maybe, yeah. but I, I didn't care I was hooked.
1: Yeah, no, I mean Yeah, I, it wasn't like a thing that I I had a few like things I had watched or like albums I listened to and like I liked it when I saw it, but it wasn't something that I really sought out. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh I when I I was traveling abroad, like I I I was, I spent a year between Central and South America, and I remember I was, like, alone in this, like, hostel or whatever, just kind of this weird little border town between, I think it was Colombia and Ecuador, I believe, or maybe it was Ecuador, Peru, but I just somehow found, like, clips of Bill Burr, and was, like, watching him, and I was just, like... Because I was there wasn't, like, any really tourists there. I just... It was just a place you had to s- stay because the border was closed at night. So I was just, like, sleeping there to cross the border the next morning. So there wasn't, like, young people or whatever. So I was just, like, all right. And I, I don't even know how I found him. I just was, like, found these clips on YouTube. I had a little iPod touch that they had Wi-Fi there, I guess. And I was just watching him. I was fucking just, like, crying, laughing. And then... I started to listen to like comedian podcasts on that trip. I like was
0: WTF, like, or
1: I started listening to Pete Holmes's. I started listening to Bill Burr's podcasts, and I, you know, I was more just like, well, these guys are like interesting dudes. Because that was like the early days where they would like talk about their process. Like it was just kind sure. of as an outsider, I was like, oh, it's cool to like hear them talk about how they make a bid or like um like what life on the road. Like it was just kind of like ah, oh. and then. I was like, maybe I want to try stand up. Like, I don't even think I was like, I want to be a comedian. I was like, I should like try, you know, especially when you're traveling, you're like very open to ideas. I was like, yeah. when I get back to the US, I'm going to like bucket list, I'll do a comedy open mic. And I knew I had a friend in Minneapolis. She, I went to college with her and she was doing comedy in Minnesota. And I was like, "Hey, like, when I get back, will you like show me how to do like an open mic? Will you like take me to one?" And she's like, mm-hmm. "Sure." And she told me to like start writing down little ideas for jokes. So while I was traveling, I just had a little notebook. And so I got back and I hit her up, and she was like, "All right, cool. So like, come sign up at the Acme Open Mic, which is like the main club in Minneapolis." Wow. And I, I had like I didn't even know really what an open mic was. Like I had never been to a live comedy show. The I went to an open mic. The first open mic I even saw was like a week before I did one. I was visiting my aunt in Michigan. And I was mm-hmm. like, hey, I think I'm going to try comedy. And I saw there was like an open mic at the local club. Can we go? And so we, her and I just went to watch. And I was like, oh, all right, it's a bunch of guys. that do these short little things. And mm-hmm. so that was my first time seeing live comedy. Wow. And then the next week, I went down to Acme, I signed up, I got on, I was in the top, like, four comics, they give you three minutes, I ate shit, but yeah, I had the same thing, I was just like, holy shit, I just want to do that again, yeah. like, I immediately knew I just had that hook, and I was like, oh my god, I can't wait to, and I and I was bad, I mean, I, I wasn't like, oh, and I was good, like, I was just like, I sucked, it went, it didn't go well, but just that rush of being there kind of got me, yeah. And then I just started doing it. Like it just kind of became the thing I did. Like I did it for a few, like a month in Minneapolis and I moved out to Portland, kind of unrelated to comedy. And I saw Portland had a scene and I found their open mics and I just was like, all right, I'm living in Portland now. I guess I'll keep doing it. And then it just was like, all right, I guess I'm doing, you know, it just became the thing. And yeah, it wasn't like a lifelong dream, which is like kind of why I don't, have weird regrets. I've met guys who are like, I wanted to do it when I was 18, but I didn't, I was too scared. So I didn't start till like my mid 20s. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't have that. I didn't even know comedy was a thing and I didn't even care about comedy. So to me, I started exactly when I wanted to do it. I had no, like, yeah, I guess.
0: That's a good outlook because like, I. I well, what can I have done? I wish I would have found it when I was younger or at least knew that I could do it in Cleveland when I was younger. Yeah. But I think the, the thing that excited me the most about it, especially, like, I had been in bands from, like, right. 18 bands, to... I wish
1: I had been in a band. I, that's my big thing is, like, I wish I had done something like that. Because, honestly, I probably would have found a lot more community in the music and, like, weirdo scene than... I mean, I love sports. I still love sports. Mm-hmm. I don't regret playing sports. But it was just, like, I kind of wish I had done something different Earlier, I probably would have had different friends and like a more happier time growing up than just being like I do basketball and then I have these guys who I'm
0: yeah angry I grew up with. around a bunch of like creative types yeah and I did that didn't, was that fun was,
1: that that's the other thing is like that really wasn't a, an idea for me that you could like do a job or career that you would just be creative
0: yeah I don't know if we ever thought of it as like oh this could become a career yeah um, or you can make money in any of this it was just some, we were just you know, a lot of us were punks, skateboarders, right. or like, you know, I kind of grew up around the, like, the artsy people, you know, even the church I went to was a very liberal arts centric right. church. Yeah. So like, you know, all those kids were like painters or sure. actors yeah, or yeah. musicians. And like, so that was always prevalent in my life. I didn't know it could be a career, but, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm fortunate that I got. I got to grow up around around it because I think it helped. It helped as I got older. But like, yeah, I was in bands that, you know, at the time was touring quite a bit. You know, like I was in a band called All Dinosaurs, and we toured probably anywhere between six to eight months out of the year. Oh shit! you? So, I was it was all, pretty much all of my twenties. Oh wow. Was okay. Spent in that band. What
1: kind of like places were you like what kind of venues were you playing and what kind of
0: We got to a point where we were we were doing house in House of Blueses towards the end there. Okay. And I honestly was more miserable doing a house of blues shows than I was yeah. doing like the punk DIY shows that yeah. we were doing earlier on. I mean, it's not as easy of a life, and the money was nowhere near what we were making at House of Blueses. Of course. it was a lot more fun, and it yeah. was a lot more intimate. Yeah. But I think that what made me excited about doing comedy was, like, I was really... My first set was terrible, and like I said, I maybe got a chuckle, but I was afraid to get up on stage. Yeah. And that's what excited me. Of course, yeah. I haven't felt that since I was a kid. Right. To be afraid to get up on a stage. Yeah. That was never, like, a part of me. Like, I was always, like, I would welcome a stage. Or, like, the ability to perform anything, really. And then to be afraid to do it. Oh, man, that was exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was bad. I knew it was bad. But I was excited to learn something new and something that was also... Had some of the skill sets that I already had of like being a creative person. Sure. Like so, a new avenue of creativity. Yeah. Was exciting to find. Totally. And I've never been good at painting, so <laughs> I'm not yeah. a drawer.
1: No, that's yeah. It's a fun. It's a weird life, but it's a, it's a fun life. I mean, it is like, you know, because you meet people who are like you. It's good to get out of it sometimes, where somebody outside of it will tell you like, "That's so cool that you do that." Because a lot of time you're just in your own fucking yeah. headspace. But yeah.
0: Or you're just wrapped up in the... Um,
1: yeah, the day-to-day. The politics yeah, of it. Yeah, all and that shit that really takes the fun out of it. But right. Yeah. But it is good to have an outside perspective on it.
0: That's Yeah, that was the, the, the real drawing factors. I was like, oh, I'm terrified of this. Yeah. And I don't have any of those things or resources available to me anymore. To make this less scary, because like, there's even a couple people who say, just like, oh, you're a musician, why don't you like play a ukulele while you're up there? No one plays a ukulele, but I'm like, no, in my mind, I'm like, that's the coward's way out for me. Like, oh, I know yeah. I can play an instrument, right? Right, and communicate sure. while playing an instrument, sure. but having that little, like, um, it would be like a crutch, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That failsafe yeah, is like. Yeah. Is it would it, yeah? It wouldn't have worked for me, or I would have been, I would have felt cheap about it. No, I get that. Yeah, I. It's
1: the I, rawest form when it's just you.
0: Yeah, yeah. and it's, you. I like the fact that you can fail at it. I think that's another. Yeah, music is a. You can fail at music, but it really.
1: It's a lot harder because people. It's a lot harder. <laughs> well, no, I mean you know music. A lot harder are, to fail in music. It's not rude to talk while the band is playing. Right. Right, right. It's not rude like the band is not demanding that you be of basically silent and kind of like a stone where you just don't move and just kinda like laugh when you need to laugh. But yeah, Mm -hmm. music is be
0: attentive.
1: Yeah, music is just straight up like, yeah, kind of dance, have you know, if we're a band that is kind of cool to talk while we're playing, like that's cool. You know, there's just more experiences allowed at a concert than at a comedy show. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we were like a we were like a weird like we weren't punk enough to be punk, but we weren't metal enough to be metal. So Mm. we were like in this weird middle ground. So every time we played shows with metal bands, we were the weird punk band. But I liked that we did things that way because we could be a part of both scenes and it not be weird. That's cool. And it was, yeah, it was fun. Like it was, I'm glad that we kind of didn't pigeonhole ourselves. Yeah. And, but again, like, You're saying like being on the road and being like, and then having like, oh, you're open to different and new experiences. Like it kind of had the same thing where it's like, okay, like I was excited to go see people that we've, we've been in that city before. We've Mm -hmm. met friends. Yeah. And I'm excited to see them again. And, like, riff on these things that we sure. you know, established totally. as a friend of earlier, the yeah. last time I was there. Yeah. You know, from what I could remember, it was, like, I was drinking a lot and doing my drugs during that <laughs> time. But so what I could piece together. Right, like, right. So.
1: That's funny.
0: And then I still, you know, I still keep in touch with a lot of them. So it would be now that I'm a comedian, that's the other thing, like it's I'm excited now. That I have another excuse to come out to their yeah, city totally. and, and see them again. Yeah. And especially, especially in Montreal. I can't wait to get back to Montreal. Nice. I have a lot of friends like there was a band that we toured with. They were called trigger effect and, um, just the greatest group of guys, very funny people. Um, and i they, they all live in Montreal. So I'm excited to get back there. I'm, I'm, I might just go there to go there, but I am trying to like find places to hit up in sure. Montreal and go see my friends out yeah. there. But uh, how do you feel like your upbringing, it seems like your upbringing kind of le- like, helped you be in all these different cities or do all these different things and be comfortable in it because even your friends growing up, didn't go to your same school. So even you kind of actually on a smaller level had to travel to just see them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think like, I don't know. I mean, my, I think some of it's born into you of like, like I said earlier, like there is a natural inherent, like kind of wanderlust where like, I like to see different places. I like traveling. I like, you know, moving around. Um, I really like seeing a lot of different parts of the States. I do, like, even though I'm kind of somewhat introverted, I like meeting people in, in weird ways, and I like kind of getting to know, like, a place through some of the people that I meet, and comics are a great way to do that, and audience members are, like, people that you meet at a restaurant while you're kind of just hanging out by yourself. Like, I like all that, and my parents are, like, they're supportive. Like, I mean, I'm... I don't know how stoked they are that I like live in a van and do this, but they are the type of people who are genuinely like it's your life.
0: Mm.
1: I'm not here to really tell you what to do with your life. And I have to kind of ask them a lot cuz I'm very worried about disappointing my family in a way. Mm. But I ask kind of like you guys are like okay with that I'm doing this. And my mom will just be like dude, it's your life like you're in control of it and really like that's freeing in a way that you are there is no real I mean I had a pretty straight through childhood like my childhood was you know we were a middle-class family you know two parents two kids Mm -hmm. like uh, lived in the city went to public school you know it was pretty early on like school goes from kindergarten through college like I knew I was gonna go to college Um, but after that it was just like you're a man you're gonna do your thing and you know, I, my dad, at one point, I remember him saying, like... Your parents it, still together? They're still together, you know, and they're happy, you know. They, uh, yeah, I mean, we only, we moved once. We, like, we, I my first, like, up into fifth grade was in one house, and then going into sixth or seventh, we moved to another, and that's where they still live. So pretty stable in terms of, you know, where we lived and everything. But I remember my dad once, I think I was probably even doing comedy at the time, not it would only have been for a few years, but we were talking. And he was like, "Yeah, I kind of knew you weren't gonna live like the straight life." <laughs> like he probably, you know, they, you pick up things about your kids. Like, oh, he's he's doing all these trips, and he, you know, I've I went I went abroad by myself for a while, and I've you know I worked in Alaska for a summer, and wow. uh, you know I did the Israel trip that they offer you because you're Jewish, and like so I've just done all this shit that I think is kind of like you're pointing to signs of like, hey, like I'm probably not gonna be like the office worker or like, you know, I'm 36 now. Like I've had serious relationships, but I've been pretty clear about like kids are probably not on the table for me. Marriage to me isn't really that important. Yeah. Like, you know, so they kind of get where I'm at. And I think I don't, they've never expressed like, Oh, I were disappointed. I don't know if they're always like so stoked. Right. Cause what, parents probably do want their kids sleeping on the streets of Cleveland, you know, right like in a fucking van somewhere, but they've never been like, you shouldn't be doing this with your life. They're not those type of parents. And I feel bad. Cause I, I've met comics who they're half the battle is, just like, well, my parents don't really like talk to me because I do this. or they're disappointed in me or like they wanted me to be, you know, like family expectations, maybe, yeah. whatever. Like there's all that, that, I didn't have to deal with, and I'm like... Yeah, I don't
0: have to really deal with that either. So You
1: have to not deal with it in a whole different way, though. Yeah, They just don't (laughs) give a fuck what you're up to, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah,
0: they would... My parents, like... I talk to
1: my parents, like, once a week. They know what my life is all about. They Mm. they know about me, and I know about them. But they're not judgmental in that way. And, you know, as you grow older, you really actually, like, real... Like, I appreciate that more and more as I grow older, because I've met so many people who have just terrible relationships they don't talk to their parents anymore Mm. something went wrong or their parents are disappointed that they've chosen this weird lifestyle or yada 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 so i'm very thankful that i got lucky and like they're cool people they're not they're not
0: that's great it's
1: really freeing you know but it's
0: nice yeah like i don't i don't think i've disappointed them in any way i just don't they're just doing their <laughs> I don't own think. thing I don't yeah. Yeah. yeah i know that's great I, I know, like yeah. e- even when i do bring up certain things they're not like judgmental about it at yeah. all. They're like oh okay cool like, sure they know, yeah, i think they kind of when i watching i guess them watching me grow up like they kind of probably assumed that i wasn't gonna i was a very anxious kid yeah i like to be moved moved around Like i like to move like yeah, i like yeah, yeah. to i have to be doing something sure so i think they kind of so like I, I I guess I never moved out of Cleveland permanently, but I also, there was a, s- a long period of my life where I didn't spend a lot of time in Cleveland. Yeah. So I got, I moved around quite a bit. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. That's great that your parents were like kind of, you know, they may not be like supportive, supportive, but not like they don't put it down either. It seems like.
1: No, I mean, and I think I would say they are supportive. It's just like, There, it's. I think the general thing is, it's like we're just happy that you're happy, Mm. and I think that's cool. Like that's great, and that's like really, it's like fucked up when you think about when parents aren't like that, because it's like, look, dude, the kid didn't even ask to be here. You made a choice to have a child. The child was born, and then you're gonna like judge it for being into what it's gonna be into. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, I mean, it's uh, the most extreme example. That's like when parents are mad that their kid is gay. It's like, well. You made the kid, and the kid was born this way, and now you're mad at it? I mean, what the fuck are you doing? Like right. The, then, then don't have the kid if you were not up to it being kind of anything it wanted to be, because eventually it's not your life. It's yeah, the kid's life. have a puppy. Life. Have a dog. Yeah. Have a dog you can walk around and do what the dog has to do, what you want to do. But yeah, yeah, once it's a kid, like, it's on its own. So I'm very lucky. I'm very, like, yeah.
0: You will find the relationship that, like matches your life like you know i'm kind of in the same boat like when i first met my wife like i was pretty upfront and clear from the beginning like if you're looking for the guy who is like looking for marriage and children you've got the wrong person yeah and honestly i didn't have to propose at all yeah i there was no ultimatum there was nothing like Nobody was pushing me into like proposing to her. Right. In any way, it just popped in my head one day that like, oh, I want to do this. Yeah. And it was completely up to me. If honestly, even if she would have said no, it would have not been a deal breaker.
1: Yeah. Because Crazy.
0: things were good. Yeah, like yeah. I get it. Like yeah, why yeah. shake the boat if we don't have to? Yeah. So if life's good, our relationship is good, if we throw this other thing into it that puts pressure, but, but it didn't, it did like, even when I, after proposed us getting married was pretty like easygoing and like, she's very, she's supportive to the right amount of what I do, Mm -hmm. which I like really like, like she's not so supportive where she's just around all the time and like, oh, demands my attention. Yeah. Yeah. Like even like, you know, she came to our show last night and I, I barely had time to speak with her. Right, she was just there. She yeah. enjoyed the show. Yeah, she yeah. you know that's her way of supporting, which is great. Like, or she, I'm a busy guy. I'm always doing something
1: mm-hmm.
0: Monday through, you know, Monday through Sunday. There's something going on with me usually, and uh, she doesn't seem to mind. And it's nice being. She also has her own life. Yeah, and the, her own, like you know, she's a business owner, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, so she has her own own interests and, like, her own life to, like... So I'm not the center of it all. Sure. Which is nice yeah, not yeah. to be in that position. Of course, yeah. So we find time. We make time for one another. And when we do find that time for one another, it's genuinely, like, exciting.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: Like, I'm excited to hang out with her. Yeah. We haven't seen each other for a few days, really. Totally. And, like, it's it's usually fun. Like, yeah. It's... it's it's like hanging out with a friend again, you know, right?
1: What I mean? Right, that's so, awesome,
0: man. Uh, what's your dynamic like with your brother? You guys get along well, or
1: yeah, we're, I mean, we're not like uh, we don't like we're not really like call each other up kind of brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, we text once in a while, I guess. Um, we're different people kind of in a way, um, but. Yeah, I, I, it's, like, we're not, like, homies, really, that, like... My you brother know, and I are the same way. Yeah, like, we, <laughs> like... Like, when we're together, like, we like doing shit together, you know? Like, when I'm in town and whatever, but, yeah, like, it's not, like... I don't, like, check in with him. I'm not, like, hey, man, how's life? You know, it's kind of, like, we see each other when we when I'm, you know, home, and yeah. that's, like, you know...
0: Yeah, my brother and I are very similar in that fashion, like... Also, too, like, I don't know. We have a limit. Sure,
1: of course. Yeah, we yeah, have yeah. a
0: limit to how much we can hang out. Otherwise, we get into fights. We argue. Yeah, I think we're like we're, that in a way. Very different. But we want to be cordial. We yeah. want to be friendly towards one another. But we know there's it only goes so far. Yeah, no, I get so. that.
1: We're kind of like that, too.
0: The text once in a while. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um. I had one other question about. Oh, what was your parents like? Like, what is your parents' background in? like, or what do they do for a living? Or
1: my mom uh, was a social worker for forty-five years. Mm. That's where they. My dad was briefly in social (laughs) services when they met. They where they both worked at the food stamp office. Wow. Um, so they met there, but then my dad went on and he, he was a writer for, he's kind of like a financial writer. Like he worked for a couple financial companies doing like their internal, like marketing writing. And then he's worked for himself as a freelance financial writer for the last
0: 20 ish years. Wow. Yeah. So
1: yeah, he, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Coming from the social worker thing, they're probably just excited that you're not like a drug addict. <laughs> yeah, know? I guess that's true. I mean, yeah, my mom did a ton of
1: stuff. She did food stamps. She ended up kind of helping like elderly people stay in their homes. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's a good career. I mean, n- now I think I was doing some material on it this weekend, but now they they both picked up, like, part-time jobs as Costco sample handler people. They give out samples at Costco two or three days a week at uh the local Costco in Minneapolis but so that's kind of weird that they're like my mom retired and then like I think got kind of bored with retirement and then was just like I need something to do so they picked up this job uh but yeah and my dad still does some writing you know and I think his business is definitely slowing down so he's doing a little bit of this but uh yeah they you know you know career people you know worked worked hard my mom you know my mom had that that social the social work job was a union job so we had good health care through that you know it's like I saw That's the awesome. I saw the importance of like a good union early on because it was like yeah it got my dad and me and my brother at good health care and it's crazy that that shit isn't for everybody but uh but yeah so you know did that and uh now they're kind of you know I guess semi retired in a way uh living in Minnesota and doing their thing nice yeah
0: Cool. Thank you so much again for doing this. For sure, dude. It's been nice getting to know you. Yeah. Uh, We yeah, we met under some strange circumstances, but it and then we we like seem to keep in touch. Yeah,
1: once in a while. You know, I mean that's comics do that, I feel like. It's just kind of like it's such a weird little world that you know, like when the thing when I was like going to be at Hilarities and then it dropped or whatever, I was like, well, I know Jeremy; he's in Cleveland. And yeah. I knew I, I had seen that you were running these shows and like, um, but yeah, I mean, I just feel like especially when you're doing a lot of road work, the network of people you're kind of constantly like checking in on is like pretty big. Like I have guys when I'm doing these long drives that I'll just be like, I'll just call them. I'll be like, hey, man, I'm I'm doing five hours today. Like, you're like let's talk and then mm-hmm. so it's, it, it's it kills an hour you know rather than just listening to another podcast or more music like you're just like all right i need like i want to talk to you i want to and then, you know you i like to know like oh you're doing like right when you rolled up i was talking to a guy and he was like i'm doing six hours today and I, he's like going from fucking iowa to denver and i was like all right so we talked for like 45 minutes before you showed up and it's just good to kind of see like where people are at what shows they're doing it's like You know, it's fucking gossip, too. You're like, oh, what was that show like? I was thinking about hitting that guy up. Oh, it's bullshit or the pay is good. You know, it's like it's it's this kind of just weird. And I feel like I've kind of entered the ranks of like guys who do the road a lot, you know, especially in the van thing. Like I've just met so many guys when I'm in the van. I'm like, oh, you do all these types of shows. And I have friends now who I've only met them in person like twice. But I talk to them, or I like message them a lot to like, "Where you at?" Oh, that's cool that you're doing this, you know. So, yeah, it's a whole little community, and I'm sure. I think that's a, just for comics. That's just how we have to be. get yeah, to check for in sure. on shit. So, but yeah, it was a great weekend. I appreciate you guys getting me up.
0: Yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, it's funny too. Is like you might gossip about like shows. But it doesn't mean you're not going to do them. You just, oh, well, of course you you'll just do them. Yeah, you're going to do them, but it doesn't, you just, it's nice to know like what you're getting yourself into. Of course. Into.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like you have different experiences with the same show. Like he was telling me about these things he did in Iowa. I was like, dude, I did that, but it was during like homecoming football weekend in, at the University of Iowa. So there's 200 drunk college kids who didn't give a shit about the show. And right. he was like, oh, well, I had eight people at one, you know, so it's like with these gigs, like, you know, people don't understand what these gigs really are. Like they <laughs> think oh, you're a touring comedian. It's like, dude, some of the rooms I'm doing are a testament to how much I love doing stand-up comedy. Right. Because so many of them can be they're the low pay, bad turnouts, you're sleeping on some guy's fucking stiff couch, you know, like it's not the greatest thing all the time. So, you know, but it is cool to meet guys like who are doing that lifestyle where they kind of Really understand like oh yeah like this is what touring look for because you know people see touring comics do these arena tours where they got a bus they're staying in five star hotels they get a they have their trainer with them it's like no 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 dude like I'm eating off food stamps when I'm in town you know I'm mm-hmm. fucking I'm I'm eat, trying to eat like every comic knows this like oh you get a meal all right I'm like not gonna eat dinner because I'm gonna get a club meal like it's just. It's just a whole litany of things that, like, the very few people in life know about. So it's nice to be able to check in with those guys and be like, "Yeah, how are you doing out there? Because it's kind of... As much as I like being alone, it is a weird lifestyle, and it is nice to relate to other people about it.
0: Or not have to, like, explain it away.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, sorry, I didn't... You know, like, oh, you know, it's that question of, like, oh, how much money do you make? You're like, ah, oh, dude, I... It's embarrassing to talk about money but sure. you you have these people who are like I get it. I get the $75 gigs. I get, you know, it's just it's understood and you don't feel like you you owe anybody val- an, ex- yeah. an explanation on your life basically. Yeah. Or at least your career but your career and your life kind of bleed into each other when you're living in a fucking van doing it, you know? (laughs) Like, It's not, they're really not, they're kind of part and parcel. Like, it's the same thing. It's like, so you live in a van to do comedy, and then when you're not doing comedy, you're still living in the van. It's like, yeah, because I want to keep doing comedy. Right. So it's just like, yeah, it's nice to have people who are like, oh, I totally get it. Like, no one, when I talk to comics, they're like, yeah, that's good. That's a smart, like, they'll be like, that's a smart move, dude. Right. it's very, it's, it's a weird group of folks, but yeah, it's nice to connect. So I do a lot of that.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah. Where can they find you on social media? Uh, I'm on,
1: all my handles are at the comedian, Jake, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. Uh, I think it's just Jake Silberman. Uh, I have like a full crowd work special. I actually have two full crowd work specials. Uh, I have a bunch the doc- of videos, the
0: documentary, The
1: documentary called back at it after where I met Jeremy doing comedy across the country when, after covid uh, i have a bunch of um these kind of like man on the street videos i used to do and yeah i have two podcasts uh the jake silman show is my solo thing that i do every it comes out every friday and then i have one with hunter donaldson who's a new york comedian uh called hard man soft boy and that's like a riff improv thing that we do and yeah uh, my website is thecomedianjake.com and I post all my dates there. So I will be out in the road here and there all summer. So come out to a show.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Thank you again for doing this. Yeah, thanks, bud. Great. I
1: appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yep.